Yesterday at 4.38 p.m., the Twitter files took a dramatic turn when Matt Taibbi posted, Twitter files supplemental. News had just broken that Elon Musk had asked an employee to exit the building, that he had fired him essentially. But the story behind it is explosive. And so I'm going to bring on my friend Chris Michaels today to talk a little bit about some of our theories and concerns with what we've learned. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, Bold Americans, to another episode. I am so glad that you're here. As I was saying at the top of the show, pandemonium has broken out on Twitter as Matt Taibbi has put out the Twitter files supplemental. Wait a minute. Record scratch sound right there. We were expecting Twitter files part two. But what happened to the Twitter files part two? They didn't show up because of scandal. Scandal and the deep state. And this is so explosive that I had to bring on my good friend, Chris Michaels from the last call with Chris Michaels show from the last call caravan to talk about this. So Chris, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, thank you. This is fantastic. We got an impromptu, uh, I guess, podcast interview about nonsense, particularly James Baker. Yes. Right? And James Baker. Wow. If you go back to 2016 2017 this guy has been tied to donald trump at the hip and very beginning from the very beginning and this is uh explosive what's coming out here and so we're gonna have to connect a lot of dots and i understand that for listeners right now we're gonna throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks see if our spaghetti's ready (laughs) but if i know chris and myself we're probably gonna get this story correct I am Sicilian, so I do enjoy some good pasta. Just not on the wall, in your your belly. No, we're not doing an Opie and Anthony bit. That was an old bit from them. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) All right. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go through this thread here, and we're going to react to it. And then we can get into Jim Baker, the man who was exited by Elon Musk. Uh, So we'll start with Elon Musk post on his Twitter page that employee uh, Jim Baker was exited from the uh, company here on uh, Tuesday. And then within about 38 minutes, Matt Taibbi puts out this thread, Twitter file supplemental. And I get the alert. So it immediately shows up and I'm like, Ooh, I got to click on this. I got to find out what's going on. And immediately he puts on Friday, the first installment of the Twitter files was published here. We expected to publish more over the weekend. Many wondered why there was a delay. And at this point, you know, Chris, I'm reading this and I'm not connecting Elon Musk and his tweet about Jim Baker exiting from the building and what Matt Taibbi is putting out there. And exactly. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being dense, but I was just, I thought this was just a normal, okay, well, look, it didn't seem coordinated, but it certainly was. Uh we get into the second part of this. He says, we can now tell you part of the reason why. So they're only telling us part. And so language really matters here. We're going to get into the word why I believe Elon Musk said he exited and not was fired. We're going to get into why they're saying we're only telling you part. Uh, I want to get to the speculation. I want to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, 
So he says on Tuesday, Twitter Deputy General Counsel and former FBI General Counsel Jim Baker was fired. Among the reasons, vetting the first batch of Twitter files without knowledge of new management. So when a new company is taken over and there's a CEO that just spent $44 billion on their product, I'm not positive because I've never worked for a company that's $44 billion just purchased, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure I don't do things to undermine my brand new boss that spent more money than there is in some countries on the earth. So Chris, you, you read this and all of a sudden you're like, wow, what type of shady business needs to be happening for this to be vetted in the Twitter files before they get sent to, to Matt and Barry? Uh, what were your first thoughts when you saw this? When I, well, I knew that Baker was in there because when Musk took it over, they, there were a lot of people saying, well, you, you've taken it over, but you still got this clown in there. So what do you, what, what's going on with that? And apparently Musk tweeted out that he found out that Baker was in there on Sunday. So he didn't know about this until, you know, two days ago, three days ago. And it would make a lot of sense. When I saw Baker was leaving, I went, okay, because I, I kind of made that connection with Taibi. I didn't know Barry Weiss was working on it, but I made that connection with Taibi because I think you and I actually talked about it, that Taibi's presentation on Friday night was very disjointed. It was all over the place. And there was a lot of delays because he was supposed to go on at like 5 p.m. They didn't end up going on until like 6.15 or 6.30 or something like that. And then the Twitter files part two was supposed to come out on Saturday and then it didn't never did. And then, you know, it came out kind of today, you know, or maybe tomorrow with Barry Weiss. So when I see all of that, that means that there's some kind of stonewalling. It's not only is Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss being given an exclusive with probably a non-disclosure attached to it. Like you two are going to be the ones that break this. I mean, they're probably in direct communication with Elon Musk too. So when they found out, when Barry Weiss found out that it was still James Baker authorizing these Twitter files, I mean, I I don't know if you saw it on Zero Hedge, but they came out and she said that my jaw dropped when I found out it was him. And then lo and behold, he's gone. (laughs) So here's the question. So I was thinking about this and one of my listeners sent me a message and said, Greg, do you really believe that Elon Musk didn't know that Jim Baker was at the company, didn't know that Jim Baker had access to all this. And my response to my listener was, no, I don't believe that Elon Musk didn't know. And I believe that this was all part of the plan. I don't believe that Elon Musk can say, well, I didn't really realize this until Sunday. When you're spending that type of money, you know who's at the top. He knew exactly who he was firing when he got in there. There's a reason why Jim Baker was kept on for the amount of time that he was kept on. And there's a reason why the word was he has exited and not fired from Elon Musk. Uh Aha. And what is that? So the reason is because Elon knew from the get-go, he was buying an intelligence agency. He knew from the get-go that $44 billion was buying him a database that was just as powerful as the CIA, just as powerful as the FBI, because he knows from being involved in tech that all of these deep state actors are involved in it in the back doors to begin with. 
And as 100%. a result, he sees Jim Baker and he goes, huh, is anyone truly ever a former FBI <laughs> that really exists? Yeah, of course. And then, yeah. And then let's look at when Jim Baker was hired. Jim Baker was hired in June of 2020. Now I'm going to play you some suspicious audio. I'm not going to tell you who this is from. Don't oh. ruin it. Don't take any guesses. I'm okay. going to play you some suspicious audio. I'll write it, kind it down. It ties this together right now. Let me share my sound computer audio. We're going to play this for listeners. I'm pulling this up. Hopefully it works. We're recording through Zoom. And I, I think that I'm going to do this right. It's my first time ever integrating <laughs> live sound with a guest. Here we go. Listen carefully. There's two things. I realized that at least the Justice Department or the FBI cared more about protecting the Biden than they did about protecting me. So that's when I sent my father and my uncle armed with the same material that I tried to give the FBI. And I sent them off to knock on the doors of congressmen uh, to try to get their attention. And they spent about three, three, almost four months trying to do that uh, from February of 2020 to probably about June of 2020, trying to just alert Everybody, faxes were sent to the White House, but nobody was listening. I mean, granted, it was the height. Or were people listening? Mm. So I can, have... I can take a guess of who that might okay. be. So so who is that? Who did I just could, play for you? Could it be Mr. Paul Mac Isaac? John Paul Mac Isaac. That ah, is correct. Okay, John Paul. Okay. Yep, yep. So John Paul Mac Isaac shared that story with me back in July. And I have been like an investigative uh, detective going over the timeline of events that he gave me. Um, I have been journaling it literally in my phone. I have a note section just for John Paul Mac Isaac. You better start writing it down. I have I, a, I don't know I, if you can I see know. It. I see you're holding up a pen a because the pen. deep state is, is reading this too. I guess that's right. That's but right. But you know what? If I'm able to put this together from my interview and from my text messages with John Paul, other people can too. So here's, here's the, the wonderful thing about this account that we have. So John Paul MacIsaac first realizes that this laptop is his property, July, 2019 by, uh, November, August, 2019, he realizes, Hey, Joe Biden's running. I got this time bomb on my hands. He starts looking into it specifically in Burisma September. He goes to his dad about it and the FBI and his father have a conversation by November 2019, they come to his home. By December 9th, 2019, they show up with a subpoena to take the laptop from the shop in one of his backup drives. And after that, they touch base with him a week later. That's it. Just like, how you doing? Has anyone else been in? He's like, no. He's like, all right, good. And he never hears from anybody again. And then things start getting more interesting because of the impeachment of Donald Trump and the Burisma contact in context of Joe Biden, never comes up during that impeachment trial. The actual quid pro quo of $1 billion with Joe Biden sitting there saying, and son of a bitch, <laughs> they yeah. fired him, right? Yeah, right. That never comes up during this impeachment trial. And so he decides that he needs to get this out to Congress. He needs to get this to the White House. And so his dad starts knocking on doors with his friends. Now his dad's former CIA. That's Aha, That was my question. That's another that important question. part of this. John Paul well, Mac Isaac comes from ex CIA. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of this that I'm not sure if you, I'm sure you have, but if he lives in Delaware, yeah. right. Why is he getting in touch with an FBI office in Albuquerque, New Mexico? 
There's a good reason why, because he did things through his father, who was uh-huh. in the intelligence community formerly. Uh-huh. Right? So there is no way you can tell me that this guy is hired. And now this is my speculation for everybody. I'm just important to say when I can verify facts and when I'm speculating, I'm speculating. There's no way you can tell me that Jim Baker is hired immediately after John Paul Mac Isaac's father and others are giving this hard drive all throughout Congress and to the White House. At that point, Twitter and social media companies had to go on high alert and figure out what are we going to do? And so who better to bring in, but the guy who is the master of deception himself, but Jim Baker, who's been surrounded by this. Now, I'm also going to know that my listeners, if you've listened to Chris and I talk before, you know, Chris is a very informed and good critical thinker. And as well as he's a scholar that will know probably the answer to this question. <laughs> Chris, okay. what was a lot of Jim Baker? <laughs> yeah. What was Jim Baker? part of the disinformation campaign towards Donald Trump. What was his big achieving accomplishment that he got the stick? Are you aware? From what I understand, he was involved in Russiagate. He was also involved in leaking data to the media. And he was also involved in having one-on-one conversations with James Comey that were never recorded. Because there was a document that I found tonight, because I did uh, my podcasts on Mr. Baker tonight, uh, of a whole disciplinary action about how James Comey was keeping memos in his personal safe at his home. I didn't know we could do that as government employees. I didn't know we could take home secrets. Right. And especially if that person is as high as the president taking things with presidential prerogative to Mm -hmm. Mar-a-Lago. You know, <laughs> the, Comey is fine. How come there aren't any January 6th committees going after James Comey? Well, he wasn't president. He was just the guy that was able to screw every single private citizen in the United States. Right. Which to Right. And taking government <laughs> documents and storing them in his personal safe at his house yeah, and didn't give them up for over a year, I think, <laughs> until Mueller got it to him. Uh, he got it. So, so Baker, from going back to your question, Baker was responsible for a lot of Russiagate. And he was responsible for a lot of interaction between all of the intelligence agencies. Now, just to give you a little tidbit about my podcast I did tonight, I tried to do a lot of background searches on James Baker. The first thing that I found kind of odd is that he's got three different pictures with three different noses. So I don't know what this guy looks like. You know, jump ball. The other thing that I found out is I always look for the spouses of these people. Whenever somebody makes the headlines, the first thing I do is look for the spouse. Second thing I do is go to opensecrets.org and look at their funding. Who did they donate to? Guy's not there on opensecrets.org. Couldn't find his wife anywhere. Couldn't find her or him. We never know. So the only thing I did find was a 2007 interview that he did with PBS talking about how he created the current incarnation of the FISA courts Mm -hmm. and the utter hypocrisy of this awful human being 
is striking. You listen to him now, and then you look at what he did over the past six years. There's no way this guy should be walking free. Not at all. Steel dossier. That too. That too. You know, I, I have a I have a person that comes on my show from time to time. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, we call him Lefty Layman because he's so left. He's not even a Democrat. He's just he is communism himself. Um, and he admits that he's like, look, I am so to the left. Like, I don't even identify with parts of the Democrat Party. They need to be more progressive. Um, and I enjoy having him on because I completely disagree with him on almost everything. Um, but he doesn't believe that the Steele dossier had any ethical problems in the way that it was delivered to the American public, despite the fact that we know that the source, the reporter was redundant as far as a source, which is a no, no in journalism. You can't do that. And we know that James Baker, this guy who just exited Twitter was the person who pushed it in order to become factual. So everybody would believe that we have a president that pees on people, which has since been, debunked as a product of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. They funded the report, and this has been proven now in courts. This has been proven in accounts. Am I misrepresenting that in any way, Chris? No, and the only other thing I would add is that you have people like James Baker, McCabe, Peter Stroke, James Comey, James Clapper. Uh, Probably I'll throw in General Flynn in there, too. Remember Mm -hmm. General Flynn? Oh, yeah. My question about General Flynn, all the conservatives, they love him. My only question is, if he's part of the incoming administration and as a 33-year Democrat, he's still a registered Democrat, why would you meet with Peter Stroke or Andy McCabe from the James Comey's FBI without legal counsel? Why would you just walk in and have an off-the-cuff conversation? <laughs> no, there's there's a seditious act in there. And what all of these other people did is they would seed this steel dossier nonsense and Russiagate hoax to different media companies at the same time. So what ultimately happened is that all of these media companies were citing the other media companies. So CBS heard it from NBC and they heard it from CNN and CNN heard it from ABC. And, oh, look, we've got all of a sudden circumstantial evidence. We've got circular evidence. Mm-hmm. And nobody dared to question it. It's, it's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. So here's what I believe we're seeing revealed to us right now. And I will wait for Barry Weiss to put her report out on Twitter files too, but uh, we may be seeing uh, what is the shot heard around the journalism world. This may be the beginning of some type of revolution towards journalism. We may be witnessing that right now on Twitter, no more uh, newspapers in print, no more websites for newspapers because Twitter may become the new medium to amplify those messages If it is true, and I'm still skeptical and doubtful about some things, but if it's true that the deep state, the FBI, all the alphabet agencies are so ingrained in social media that it has become an extension, it's something I've been talking about for a long time, that social media has become an extension of the CIA, of the FBI, of the alphabet in the the European Union. A hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. I mean, think about what what was the uh, the Pentagon's version of Facebook? Was it LifeLog Some, or something yeah. like that? Yeah. And LifeLog suddenly goes out of business, and then Facebook goes into business. What the same day? Right. Yep. It's in cor- It's incorporated on the same day. LifeLog goes out of business. And no one so, pays attention to that. Uh, no, not at all. So. When you see people and organizations uh, like Mark Zuckerberg and or most recently SBF and his uh, little cheese eating rodent cohort at uh, what, what what's the other one? The hedge fund portion. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Amelia to whatever it is. Yeah. Right. When you see those people and then you look at the infrastructure around them and the supposed businesses that they start, there's. No way you're going to get me to believe that these people actually thought of those kinds of infrastructures like you see at Facebook and Twitter or SBF with the crypto exchanges. No way. My first reaction when I see people like that is that DARPA, which is basically the skunk works for the Pentagon, they come up with all sorts of crazy things, like even involving time travel. I've found a couple of documents on that. Oh, they've been studying these things since like the 1940s. Yeah, exactly. It's the 30s, the 40s. I mean, uh, crazy stuff. So when I see people like Mark Zuckerberg or or the former CEO, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, what I see is a stooge. I see somebody that's supposed to be the front of an organization, but the infrastructure behind them are the James Bakers are the traders, the seditionists, the World Economic Forum people. And they, they these Zuckerbergs, they're not creating Facebook. The, the government is. DARPA is. Pentag- the Pentagon is. You, you mentioned Jack Dorsey. If you paid attention <laughs> yeah. to Twitter Files Part 1, there was something that glared at me that me too. made me uncomfortable. It was the fact that it was almost apologist for Jack Dorsey to make him look like he did no wrong that he had no idea that all this was going on and everything was great, well, and good. Now I have to ask myself, we know that these files were tampered with before they were handed over to these journalists. Were the files tampered to make Jack Dorsey look better? Was there records that would show that he actually would be guilty of a lot of things? Or is it because Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey have a friendship? And it was censored because of their friendship. Yes. I, I, I mean, I'm being honest. I don't trust Elon Musk in this entire thing. He doesn't get my 100% trust in any of this. I, I was on a call with him uh, over the weekend where they were in the spaces uh, standpoint with yeah. some other individuals. Yeah. The day before I was on with Kim.com, I was able to get some of my questions answered by Kim. He was awesome. Elon Musk is there and I'm at the top of the queue. And my question for him was, Elon, I would just love for you to explain you as a young global leader for the WEF and how you feel about the WEF here in 2022. Do you still feel it's a good thing or do you think it's a bad thing for society? And that question continued to get pushed down, pushed down. It never got answered. It never got asked. And I, I'm pretty sure he saw it. Uh, because of yeah. where my standing was in the whole process, many people were liking it and retweeting it back to him during the mm-hmm. spaces conversation. Um, and so my, my guess here is we have some tampering and my question for you, 
if there is some type of tampering going on, does that actually hurt what is being revealed? Does that hurt the public trust in what Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss are putting out there? I, I would think yes and no, because everything that you're looking at in the mainstream media or now uh, the, uh, the public media, like the mass media, literally the mass media is what's going on on Twitter right now. And it's even better than the mainstream media and the traditional legacy media outlets. I, I would say yes and no, because what you're having is a series of limited air outs in a lot of ways, UFOs, disclosure. Uh, now we got Russiagate. Now we got Twittergate and the Twitter files and all of that. They can't reveal everything because I would assume that there's something that Jack Dorsey has on Elon Musk. But you, like you said, they do have a friendship. So the other, uh, the other item that you brought up was James Baker. You didn't, you didn't think as though Elon Musk didn't know about James Baker before he got in there. And I agree with you. Because if you're doing this dance for months on end, and if you're going to throw $44 billion at a company that is mostly made up of bots, then you're going to do your due diligence on who is actually in the leadership circles of this company, whether they're on the board, whether they're part of the actual employees or the consultants, whatever you want to call them. The reason I think that Elon Musk got rid of him this week is probably twofold. He probably talked to him and said, look, this is the direction I'm going. So I'm letting you know in case there's anything absolutely incriminating for yourself or maybe something for your friends, you just make it go away. I don't ask questions, but you've got until Monday. And the other way to look at it is Elon might have wanted to see who the traitors are to his agenda. If he's truly being altruistic and he wants to have Twitter be an open forum on both sides, then in order to really smoke out all of those traitors and all of those uh, saboteurs, you've got to do something drastic like what he did on Friday night with the Twitter files and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss. So if you're demanding that your legal counsel give them documents, basically unprecedented access to anything they want, then you're going to have a lot of people involved in the legal staff. So who's going to play ball? How come the documents aren't being made available? And so the way to really smoke this out and get those people out of the way is to do something like this. So I think, I think it's twofold. I think Baker is the, Musk allowed Baker to stay there to remove some files that, or remove some documents that Musk said, look, you know, look for this one thing. If you want to get rid of it, you can get rid of it, but you got to do it by Monday. And then Monday happened and, well, I just found out about it on Sunday. I just bought the company for $44 billion. I didn't know that the head of the legal counsel was this guy. Wow. I didn't I've FBI. been under a rock. Yeah, I had FBI I'm busy. right under, under my nose. I'm too busy uh, posting apocalyptic pictures. Oh, well, we, we got uh, to talk Japanese about that. <laughs> We got to talk about his, 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 his posting lately and what the actual words mean. This goes to the word exited. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. Before we get in, we're about at the halfway mark of the show. We're at the great conversation here with the wonderful Chris Michaels from the last call uh, with Chris podcast Michaels with Chris podcast Michaels. with Chris Michaels. <laughs> it's been a long day, brother. Uh, last call with Chris Michaels podcast, which you can hear on Spotify uh, and all the other podcast uh, 
parts that you may choose to listen to. Uh, for me, it is my go-to podcast every single day during my lunchtime. I listen to Chris's show when he puts them up. Um, so I want you guys to all tune in on that one and then retweet this episode and make sure you're tagging him as well in it for giving his time to this episode tonight. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Chris Michaels on the America Out Loud Network. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com, where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back, Bold Americans. In this first half, it's been great. We've been talking about Jim Baker. He's been exited from Twitter. Now, when I heard the word exited from the company, that is not the same word that I would normally expect of somebody who's been fired. It's not a word that I've heard that often be used when somebody's terminated of their employment. Exited gives the impression to me that somebody wasn't meant to be there. So they were shown the door and told, please don't come back in. And you were never a member of this building in the first place. And it gives the illusion to me that what Elon Musk was telling us was he did not see Jim Baker as this altruistic employee of Twitter, but rather a federal agent that was masquerading as a general counsel to Twitter. And I think we're making the case here uh, when you were talking before in the first half of the show, that this seems to make sense based upon his relationship with James Comey. And if we look at it from the perspective of the Twitter files, part one, uh, you've heard me over the past two days, I've been talking about how there was more influence by Democrats 
the Democrat National Committee was having files and people removed from Twitter. The Trump White House was doing that as well. So I don't want to give a, a carte blanche statement that it was just one political party. But what the ratio said it was 99 to 1. It would happen 99 times, basically, versus one time on the conservative side. So the scales were truly out of balance. With that stated, did you take the word exited to mean what I took it to mean, Chris? Or am I reading too far into that? I don't think you are. And uh, I didn't really pick up on it until you mentioned the definition of the word exited. So uh, so I, <clears throat> I like words. Um, I like words like concupiscent. Uh, so you can go look up that one. It means extreme You don't want to lust. do that in society, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you can be concupiscent in society. You just, you got to be on those, you know, those public kind of, uh, trysts that you might want to be involved in, you know, like necking on a park bench or something like that. That would be concupiscence activity, but it's a good word. Look it up. There's a lot more to it. Uh, but I didn't really, I didn't really think about it. So the first thing I do when I hear a, a word that these people are using specifically in, in a statement is I look it up because the legal definition of a word doesn't necessarily mean the definition that we associate the word with. So I looked up the definition of exiting an employee, and there's two. So we go to Law Insider, and it means an outgoing host authority employee, Musk, who is listed on the exiting employees list and who is intended to transfer to a replacement host authority on a handover date. So in this case, he's already got that replacement. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't just find out who this guy was on Sunday and then all of a sudden have a replacement on Monday. <laughs> it's not going to work, right? So he's already feathered the nest. He's already made calls to get this guy out of there. Then there's another definition, ex exiting employees. And this goes to prove your point. Persons listed in a schedule to be agreed by the parties prior to the end of the contract period who it is agreed were employed, so on and so forth. So that goes on to what you said. The very definition of exiting an employee means the contract is over. It doesn't necessarily mean that Mr. Baker was an actual employee of Twitter. It could mean that he was a consultant, a 1099. And who was he really working for? All right. My, my, my listeners are not used to me going down rabbit holes the way I'm about to. <laughs> I'm going to go further down a rabbit hole than Chris Michaels. Oh. Mark, mark this down on a calendar somewhere that this has happened. December 6th. Uh, I think you're taking everything too literal. Oh. I think the word exited was tied to his other tweet today which happened about an hour ago, which you may not even be aware of. His other tweet was, oh, what a tangled web they weave when first they practice to dot, dot, dot. Are you familiar with Shakespeare, Chris? A little bit. Shakespeare wrote, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Wow. Exited is also a stage direction. Someone is exited, Ooh. stage left, 
exited off the stage. What do we stage, Chris, in the intelligence agency? I don't know. What is it? In the intelligence agency, we stage stings. We stage Uh the entire (laughs) scenario that we would like to be seen. Now, I know I'm connecting dots in a way that's more like a Chris Michaels podcast show. But that's what I have been reading because his his tweets have been so odd to me. Like the, the, the tweet yesterday, Starship takes beings of Earth to Mars. We can go into that art for another show, not today because it, it, I'm no. going to stay focused. Yeah. But that stated, I can't help but imagine the guy that has built what he's built and the money that he has, that there's not intentionality behind each one of these phrases. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts quoting Shakespeare and people being deceptive, then what I'm hearing, and I think it's quite literal, is Facebook is deceiving. And Chris, I have some breaking news Ooh. that I know you don't know because I don't think you're involved in some of the spaces communities that I'm involved in. No, I'm not. But uh, Tara Bull, who's been hosting a lot of these uh, Twitter spaces, which Elon Musk was on with over a million people, she had one tonight. And every single time the word FBI was said, the audio dropped from the Twitter space until it crashed until it crashed. I'm not making this up. This is this. People are going on Elon Musk now saying what just happened. They were starting to go into the story about the FBI. All of a sudden, every time the word FBI said it, just the feed goes down and they did not have. 1 million people listening in, they barely had a hundred thousand people, right? It was, I think around 80,000 people were tuned into this. So you mean to tell me that the servers work perfectly fine for four straight hours with Elon Musk on it and over 1 million people participate, uh-huh. yeah. but you start talking about this story and FBI and it's people that are working with Matt Taibbi in some of this conversation, all of a sudden it goes down. It just seems way too much. Like there is a lot of deception going on right now. It's a, a wonderful coincidence. <laughs> wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, who do they think we are at this point? So what, what that says to me is that Elon Musk still has to clean some people out because there's no reason for a, a, a Twitter space that size to go down like that. You know, just mentioning the, the three letters FBI. The second thing that I that I thought of, and I haven't really explored it, is I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to pull the plug on Twitter in one way or another. Mm. They tried to do it with pulling the advertisers uh, like Apple, and then all of a sudden Apple and Tim Cook, they come back. Like, what did they talk about? What was their what was their misunderstanding that they ironed out? You know? (laughs) What, what happened with that? So I, I, this is part of what I believe that even though Elon Musk took over Twitter, it goes to what we say before, and that is that this Twitter is basically an intelligence operation. It is a fifth columnist social media platform. And fifth columnist is a phrase from the Spanish Civil War. And basically it means you have a whole bunch of saboteurs inside of a city that are going to help the military as they advance upon the city. So it's a fifth columnist movement. And then once the military comes in, you've got your fifth columnists suddenly take the positions of power in the newly uh, acquired territory. 
So there, there's your little lesson from the Spanish Civil War back in the 30s. I did not know that. I love it. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so this this Musk's takeover of Twitter, knowing that these intelligence agencies across the planet, you know, you've got Lula involved in this in Brazil, you know, and the cartels involved in Brazil. Uh, involved with uh, basically hijacking the message for the Brazilian people in that in that pivotal vote with Bolso. Uh, they go throughout the world and they do this kind of stuff. The governments over there, as long as they're aligned with the World Economic Forum or whatever else, they're going to instill their will upon Twitter and Twitter is going to do what they want them to do. Do you think that those governments and those agencies and those organizations are going to allow musk to screw that up i would think that they're going to play all sorts of tricks on elon musk like what you just experienced oh fbi that's it the feeds down (laughs) (laughs) well you know elon's now talking too about how he's fearing for his life i mean he's he's put that you know he doesn't believe he can go out in public at this point that he's put his life in so much danger and there's people that are now yeah. stating that this is all a PR stunt. This is the drive traffic to Twitter. That's all this is. And what I find ironic is these are the same people that fell for the PR stunt of Russia, Russia, Russia for uh, <laughs> what felt like an eternity. <laughs> a whole bunch of gullible rubes. I mean, they're all gullible rubes. It's they should be walking down a boardwalk with a slice of pizza and a balloon with cotton candy under their arm. Yeah, I, I got to read you some of these messages I got today to get your reaction. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so, I won't tell you where they came from, but no, 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 no. Th- these are way. reactions to my shows the past few days. The person says there is zero evidence that President Biden was in any way involved with business transactions or in a compromising position. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, how do you have an argument or how do you have a conversation with somebody? Who's refusing to look at the evidence? Who's uh, refusing to acknowledge that it exists? It, it's it's got to do with belief. These these people want to believe, and, and the ironic part about all of this is that these people that are that are diehard Russia gators and never Trumpers are most of the time claiming that they're atheists, so that they don't believe in anything. They believe in the science, though. That's okay. They believe in that, but. When you present them evidence, it doesn't shatter their belief. These people are the biggest rubes. I mean, these carnies, these political carnies go up there and hoodwink them every day of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they won't. I mean, all you have to do is direct them to the tweet that said Biden's team requested dot, dot, dot. Look at these right. accounts and then handled. I mean, please explain that to me. <laughs> so, so, so somebody said to me, this isn't in this message. Somebody said, well, Biden was not part of the government at that time. So that led me down this, this part of this sure. Twitter file conversation of what is part of the government. And so I made a point that upset somebody that saying that the DNC was part of the government. They said the DNC is not part of the government. Your rant is bananas. <laughs> um, am I wrong in thinking that? If people give $1 billion per election cycle to something that is running the debates, something that's running all of the campaign advertising, that I can label that as a government entity? Am I wrong in, in thinking that? I certainly would make it fall into that category. I mean, technically, they're not part of the government, but 
they're not a branch <laughs> of government, but they're ingrained into our government at this point. I'd you know, love the, to get rid of the DNC. I'd love to get rid of the RNC. Bring I mean, the, the Democrats technically aren't associated with slavery, the KKK, uh, or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Biden technically did not give a uh, eulogy to a fellow Democrat who just happened to be a grand dragon in the KKK. No, that never uh, happened. Look <laughs> the other way. Look over here. Look, Trump's tax returns. Yeah, that's a travesty in itself. But but you're right. I mean, it's it's another thing. These people actually believe, and they 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 try to be extremely technical when they parse their words to try and and to try and uh, sidetrack an argument like yours or or anything I say. You know, they say, well, technically the Democrats are not part of the government. Really, then then. Who's who's been doing what for the past six years? Right. Was it an average citizen? Was it a strap hanger? Was it a ham and egger that goes to, you know, work every day? No, it was Democrats <laughs> and their Democrat operatives throughout the various agencies like the CIA and the FBI. I mean, so technically they, they don't belong to the government in any way. They just run it. So, okay, you got me there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got me on the technicality, but but you're refusing to see my point. And sometimes people need stories to help them understand kind of the metaphor for what I'm getting at. So here's my metaphor that I'm going to give to to listeners and, and to Chris here. Chris, if you go see a Broadway musical, uh, why don't you sit on stage? It is not my place. And Ooh. plus... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to see the whole thing if I was sitting oh. on stage. Oh, wait. So if you sit on stage, you can't see the whole thing. Yeah, that, that's a good point because they put the show on for the people to sit in certain seats so they can see everything. So if we put ourselves on the stage, one of two things happens. Uh, the number one, we ruin the illusion of what's happening. We see the inner workings of the, the back doors opening and closing of set pieces coming and going, people getting changed. You break that fourth wall. And we break the wall, right? Well, right now we have a ton of people that you could tell one of two stories. Either they've been sitting on the stage thinking that that's the way the play is supposed to look and they've never seen it from the audience's perspective before where they can see the complete picture as intended, or you have the people that have been sitting the entire time watching this play unfold that are completely ignorant to the fact that it is all smoke and mirrors to create the illusion of entertainment, to create the illusion of a dramatic moment that's coming your way. And that's my assessment of somebody that says, you know, the DNC is not part of the government. Well, are you looking at the play or are you looking at the inner workings? Yeah, Are you looking at how they function in the system of government? I mean, is that a, is that a decent story to understand that? Do you think that will play well or do you think we need to get more hate mail? I, you know what? I hope we get more hate mail. That way, <laughs> I thrive that way. off hate mail. No, I don't. <laughs> I hate hate mail. That way we can make fun of them. I, I used to do that little sidebar. I used to do that uh, on, on the FM show that i do i would get death threats or i shouldn't say death threats but threats to beat get beaten up right. and uh and all that so i would read it on air because it, the people that were doing it were part of the staff so <laughs> <laughs> that's even better 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> but anyway, no, you're 100% right. Because people want to believe that illusion. And then you've got certain people that want to be behind stage and really look at the intricacies of what rope goes up when, uh, who wears what costume, how come the, this set piece goes over in that direction and, and really look at the intricacies of it. And then you've got other people that are in the higher seats that can see everything. They can see the play. They can see what's going on behind stage. They can see what actors and actresses are about to enter. And they can also see all of the stage hands. And I think that's where you and I basically fall in. We could see the play, but then we can also see the inner machinations of whatever it is that they're trying to pump down our throats. And we can piece all of it together. And we can say, no, 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 please stop. Please, for the love of God, please stop. <laughs> You've got to really start to analyze all of this stuff. But I, I think there's another point to make, too. I think Elon Musk is being a bit of a dramaticist. Um, there's no reason why he's going through all of these motions to make it, to, to really build it up. You know, all the Twitter files are coming. Oh, we're five o'clock. Oh, six o'clock. I mean, that, that's an old Bill Clinton technique where you go to one of his fundraisers. Oh, it's going to start at four o'clock. He shows up at seven, you know, because they want everybody's energy to be built up and they, they want the anticipation to have that. So I think Elon Musk is partially doing what he's doing to drive up uh, subscribership or, or whatever it is. users. Absolutely. Good for him. Good for him to do it. But good for him to do it if, if all this stuff is um, legit, verified and legit and I trust Matt Taibbi. I, I do. do. I, I, I trust him to make sure he's verifying. I felt that back on Friday when he hit the pause button and said, we need to clear things with legal. That was the wise thing to do. I think the fact that they didn't just go, here's Twitter files, part one, two, three, four, and release the whole thing and rush at the press was very wise. Now, I wonder if he was talking to Baker. Mm, well, here's my real question. This is the, the question of the night that we can kind of close out the show on. Okay. The real I'm question, sitting down. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> Who is behind Jim Baker to censor the Twitter files? Oh, oh man. This guy doesn't just go, I'm going to start investigating hmm. this. He's been in the position since <laughs> June right. 2020. Who right. gave the directive? This is happening. Matt Taibbi has it. Barry Weiss has it we need you to start censoring these files ASAP. Was it Elon Musk? Was it somebody from a government agency? What's your opinion on that to end the show? If we know that this guy is so aligned with the Democrats and the never Trumpers, then it's not that hard to believe for him to have received phone calls from whoever or, or meetings that they have conversations and it just goes into the ether. That way there's no, no paper trail, no email trail to any of this. So I, I have no doubt that Mr. Baker was speaking to somebody that's aligned with Biden, if not Hunter. I mean, at this point, Hunter knows everybody. To go through those documents and, and just remove anything. Now, they're also, they, they also use algorithms and AI for all of this. So for him, his job's really simple. All he has to do is access those AI features and that algorithm, and he can just wipe things out. 
Now, hopefully Elon Musk is smart enough to have access to the servers and dig all of those deleted documents up because I refuse to believe that uh, Mr. Baker just didn't hand over certain documents. I think he went on a cleaning spree and got rid of everything he could possibly get rid of that he thought of during that time. Yeah. And so from, from Friday to Monday, I, I agree with you. And you know, his title is a lawyer, right? At, at the end of the day, what he does for a living is law. And if you know anything about lawyers, they're experts in documents. Lawyers have to be so detail oriented. They work so many hours to go through thousands, tens of thousands of pages. Billable hours. Through. <laughs> Billable hours. Exactly. It's their whole to make job. Sure things. <laughs> and that has been his job with the FBI. And now he worked for the R street Institute as well, which we didn't even get into, but it goes into cybersecurity and effective government. Exactly. I mean, we, this guy, has a lot of skeletons that he likely has hidden in the best interests of his clients throughout the year or years, I should say. But I don't believe he was working in the best interest of the American public. He was not Absolutely working in the best not. interest of Twitter. He was working in the best interest of intelligence and parties. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue the conversation. I'd said all well, week I am, I am going one to one more thing to, before, yeah, before you move on. So from that interview, uh, with PBS that he did back in 2007. He goes through how basically he created the function for the FISA courts. So the FISA courts, for anybody that doesn't know, for if you've been living under a rock, uh, they basically allow the federal government to go after anybody's communications, pretty much for any reason. They can say, oh, look, it's, it's Russia. Trump is pissing on a hotel bed, so we must spy on him because he's clearly taking money from Putin. Why else would he be there? So we need to spy on them. So the FISA courts do that kind of thing. They're supposed to be there to uphold your civil liberties, but also allow these government agencies to spy on threats to America. That's the whole gist. He created a function for emergencies. And what he did was he said, oh, well, we can just talk to legal. We can talk to the agency that requires it. And then we can get approval from the FISA judge orally. It's just a phone call. You don't even have to document it. And then once you get the approval, the agency, the FBI, the CIA, whatever, they go off and they start spying and collecting data. And he goes, well, they, after all of that, we go to the attorney general and he approves or disapproves and we take it from there. <laughs> so this guy is eyeball deep in skirting legal processes. Think about that. He just came up with a process where he can spy on American citizens anywhere on the planet and take their emails, their texts, their phone calls, their sext messages in real time just by making a phone call. And he's been working on this since 2005. Easy. You can find- Easy. Yeah. I mean, easy, a simple search. You'll start finding documents where he was amending the United States Patriot Act in order to uh, do, uh, he was the counsel for intelligence policy, uh, but he was using the terrorism, which everybody right. used back then uh, under George Bush. Um, he was using this to try to push through things that would uh, not be seen. And it was Snowden that eventually starts saying, hey, your government's spying on you. 
The FISA courts and Baker also can be linked to the direct policy of what allowed under Barack Obama, Donald Trump to start being spied on. There's direct evidence that this was ordered. Uh, and Donald Trump brought this up and people are like, oh, he's making this story up, right? The, the, the liberal media was like, oh, sure, Donald, right? You, you've screwed up. You're actually working with Russia. No one gave this story any credence. But it's interesting that it's not revisionist history here. It's simply looking at the facts that no one else wanted to look at. And that may be what's the most interesting part of what's happening with the Twitter files. The most interesting part may not be the actual Hunter Biden laptop story. It may not actually be the fact that there are deep state actors in the social media companies it may not actually be the fact that the FBI has given them directions, to censor first amendment rights. What we may find out at the end of the day, when all the is said and done, is that the government as we know it is dead. The Constitution as we know it does not exist and hasn't existed for some time. And people are just waking up to the reality that we are not the constitutional republic that we thought we had. The government has gotten so big that it is now part of technology and we may not be able to recover it. And people may be waking up to the dystopian reality that everything, the wool was pulled out from underneath of them and they were asleep at the wheel because they were too busy arguing over Russia, 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 mean tweets, Biden, Hunter Biden, what's on the laptop and being divided by political parties while not realizing that they were the ones served up for dinner in all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. These people need to wake up. And they're, they're, I, I, I always tell certain people uh, that ask me these quite, kinds of questions. I, 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 got, I have one fan. And, and every once in a while, he, he emails me this, you know, these dystopian emails of gloom and doom, right? Well, it's, it's not necessarily gloom and doom because we're, we, we realize it. So I think you're looking at a massive schism on a social level, on an economic level, on a political level, and more importantly, on a spiritual level, mm. where people like you and me, we talk about this stuff. It's, it's not because we're trying to you know, browbeat people into submission. It's basically to bring awareness of what's really going on. And I almost look at us like... It actually, it actually reminds me of that picture, that, that arc to Mars picture that Elon said. We're telling people what's going on. At a certain point, we're not going to be doing this anymore. <laughs> so if you were listening to us, we were welcoming you and we were telling you this is the reality of the situation. And we're going to start creating something differently. So you can join us, but at a certain point, the door is going to close. So I think, I think that's what people really need to start waking up to, is that this isn't just political or economical. This is also spiritual, because on a, on a spiritual level, do you want to live in a society like this? I didn't sign up for this. I mean, <laughs> or maybe I did on a reincarnation level. I signed up to go, oh, my God, enough. <laughs> this is crazy. But I, I think what you're looking at here is a, is a massive schism. And so people need to start 
they, they need to start holding themselves accountable and they need to start having a real concept of what a society should look like. And it's okay to separate yourself from these nutcases. It's completely okay because do, do you want to be associated with James Baker? Do you want to be associated with a president that sniffs children and God knows what else behind closed doors? Do you want to be associated with a president like Obama who brings in $60,000 worth of hot dog and pizza from Chicago at 1 a.m. by plane? <laughs> no, I don't want any. I want a farm. I want a donkey, maybe a llama, some sheep, some chickens because I like eggs. And, and just a community of like-minded people that are able to foster growth on every single level. Right. Well, everybody, uh, this has been great. I've been covering the Twitter files the entire week. I'm going to continue hopefully uh, tomorrow with another show about the Twitter files. Maybe Barry Weiss will give us the Twitter Ooh. files part two, when I will continue the un load my thoughts on America with what I believe is going on. And I may have it wrong, but I, I don't think I do. Um, this has been a pleasure, Chris. I'm so glad that you could join me on the spur of the moment as this kind of uh, came down today. That's always much more fun to do a show with you than it is by myself to my listeners. You can find Chris Michaels at last call caravan on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you share it out. Uh, get this out to other people. Uh, I would love to help Chris build his audience as well on his show. So make sure you're giving him a listen. What's great about his show versus mine. He's much more digestible. It's like 20 minutes at a time, sometimes 30, sometimes 40, but mostly shorter digestible uh, tidbits and you'll have a great time with them. So please join him on that show. Chris, thank you for being a part of today's episode. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. That's it. Thank you. For, we hope you honored our time well together. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll do it all over one more time. Why not? <laughs> as long as I wake up, I mean, that's the blessing, you know, every day is a gift. So if I'm here, we're doing this again. So same bat channel, same bat time, make sure you listen to the episode. You've been listening to America emboldened with Greg Bolden and special guest, Chris Michaels here on the America out loud network. Be bold America. Bye.